The coronavirus is serious enough, but it's worth recalling that there's a much greater horror approaching. We are racing to the edge of disaster, far worse than anything that's happened in human history. There are two threats that we're facing. One is the growing threat of nuclear war, which uh, has exacerbated by tearing what's left of the arms control regime. And the other, of course, is the growing threat of global warming. Both threats can be dealt with, but there isn't a lot of time. And uh, the coronavirus is a horrible uh, plague. The others, they won't be recovered. It's finished. If we don't deal with them, we're done. And uh, the, so the childhood memories are coming back to haunt me, but different dimension. Threat of nuclear war, we can get a sense of where the world really is by looking uh, to early to this January. As I'm sure you know, every year the doomsday clock is uh, set with uh, the minute hand a certain distance from midnight, which means termination. Uh, ever since Trump was elected, the minute hand has been moving closer and closer to midnight. Uh, last year was two minutes to midnight, matching the highest it ever reached. This year, the analysts dispensed with minutes, started moved to seconds, 100 seconds to midnight. That's the closest it's ever been, citing three things, uh, the threat of nuclear war, threat of global warming, and the deterioration of democracy. If we're leaving our fit to sociopathic buffoons, we're finished. And that's coming close. Trump is the worst, but that's because of U.S. power, which is overwhelming. U.S. imposes devastating sanctions. It's the only country that can do that. Everyone has to follow. Europe may not like in fact, Haitians under Iran, but they have to follow. They have to follow the master or else they're kicked out of the international financial system. Now, that's not a law of nature. It's a decision in Europe to be subordinate to the master in Washington. Other countries don't even have the choice. Back to the coronavirus, one of the most shocking, harsh aspects of it is the use of sanctions to maximize the pain perfectly consciously. Iran is in, has its own enormous internal problems, but by the stranglehold of tightening sanctions, which are consciously designed openly to make the suffer and suffer bitterly now. Uh, and you know, Cuba has been suffering from it from the moment but again, independent, but it's astonishing that they've survived, but they stay resilient. And one of the most ironic elements of today's coronavirus crisis is that Cuba is helping Europe. I mean, this is so shocking that you don't know how to describe it. Germany can't help Greece, but 
from Cuba can help European countries. The civilizational crisis of the West at this point is devastating to think about. The meaning is that if we want to deal with the crisis, we have to move to something like wartime mobilization. So if you think of, uh, take a rich country like the United States, it has the resources to overcome the immediate economic crisis. Um, mobilization for the Second World War led the country into far greater debt than is contemplated today and was very successful. Mobilization practically quadrupled the U.S. manufacturing, ended the depression, left the country with enormous debt, but a capacity to grow. Now that's a lesson we need, probably not on that scale, it's not like the Second World War, but we need the mentality to try to overcome the short-run crisis, which is severe. In a civilized world, the rich countries would be giving assistance to those who are in need, instead of strangling them, which is what we're doing. Bear in mind that uh, the, with current tendencies, if they persist, South Asia is going to be unlivable in a few decades. The temperature reached uh, 50 degrees C in Rajasthan this summer, and that's increasing. Uh, the water's running out. Uh, it could get even worse. There's two nuclear powers there who are going to be fighting over restricted and reduced water supplies. I mean, the coronavirus is very serious. We can't underestimate it, but we have to remember that it's a, a fraction, small fraction of major crises that are coming along. They may not disrupt uh, life to the extent that the coronavirus does today, but they will disrupt life to the point of making the species unsurvivable and not in the very distant future. So we have many problems to deal with. Immediate ones, coronavirus is serious, has to be dealt with, uh, and much larger ones, vastly larger ones, looming. And there is a civilizational crisis. We have to, it's a time, possibly good side of the coronavirus, as it may, might, bring people to think about what kind of a world do we want? Do we want the kind of a world that leads to this? And we should think about the origins of this crisis. Why is there a coronavirus crisis? It's a colossal market failure. It goes right back to the essence of markets, exacerbated by the neoliberal, the savage neoliberal uh, intensification of deep social economic problems. It was known for a long time that pandemics are very likely, and it was understood, very well understood, that they are likely to be coronavirus pandemic. Slight modifications of the SARS uh, epidemic 15 years ago, it was overcome. The, the viruses were identified, sequenced, uh, vaccines were available. The labs 
around the world could be working right then on developing protection for potential coronavirus pandemics. Why did they do it? The market signals were wrong. The drug companies, we have handed over our fate to private tyrannies called corporations, which are unaccountable to the public, in this case, big pharma, and for them, uh, making new uh, body creams is more profitable than uh, finding a vaccine that will protect people from total destruction. It would have been possible for the government to step in, going back to wartime mobilization. That's what happened. Polio at the time, I can remember very well, was a terrifying threat. It was ended by the discovery of the Salk vaccine by a government institution set up by the Roosevelt administration. No patents you know, available to everyone. Uh, that could have been done this time, but the neoliberal plague has blocked that. We are living under an ideology for which economists have a good bit of responsibility, so it comes from the corporate sector. An ideology which is typified by uh, Ronald Reagan uh, reading the script handed to by his corporate masters with his sunny smile saying, government is the problem, let's get rid of government, which means let's hand over decisions to private tyrannies that are unaccountable to the public. The point is that this coronavirus pandemic could have been prevented. The information was there to prevent. And in fact, it was well known in uh, October 2019, just before the outbreak, there was a large scale simulation, high level simulation in the United States and the world of a, a possible pandemic of this kind. Nothing was done. The crisis was then made worse by the treachery of the political systems, which didn't pay attention to the information that they were aware of. On December 31st, China informed the World Health Organization of uh, pneumonia-like symptoms with unknown etiology. A week later, they identified, some Chinese scientists identified it as a coronavirus. Other countries just ignored it. The worst were the, the United Kingdom, and the worst of all was the United States. You know, one day there's no crisis, it's just like flu. The next day it's a terrible crisis, and I, I knew it all along. The next day we have to go back to business because I have to win the election. The idea that the world is in these hands is shocking. But the point is that it started with a again, a colossal market failure, uh, pointing to fundamental problems in the socioeconomic order, made much worse by the neoliberal plague. And it continues because of the collapse of the kinds of uh, institutional structures that could deal with it if they were functioning. As I said, what kind of world do we want to live in? There will be options. Now, the options range from installation of 
highly authoritarian, uh, brutal states, all the way over to radical reconstruction of society on more humane terms concerned with human needs, not private profit. And we should bear in mind that highly authoritarian, vicious states are quite compatible with neoliberalism. In fact, the gurus of neoliberalism were perfectly happy with massive state violence as long as it supported what they called sound economics. There is the possibility that people will organize, become engaged, as many are doing, and bring about a much better world, which will also confront the enormous problems that we're facing right down the road. The problems of nuclear war, which is closer than it's ever been, and the problems of environmental catastrophe from which there is no recovery. Once we've gotten to that stage, it's over. And that's not far in the distance unless we act decisively.